0: So here we are. Uh, The life we've always wanted. Last week, uh, Keith took the subject of living sustainably in the sense of how do we carry on enjoying the life of God week in, week out throughout our lives. Uh, Turned to John 15, hence the picture there where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, reminded us of what Jesus has to say about relying on God. uh, that thing of pruning, which also happens in our lives, obedience to him, and then talked about Sabbath. Uh, was talking, where's Dave Perry? Dave and I were talking just yesterday about the creation stories at the beginning of Genesis and how in the whole of the Old Testament, there's only one point that is drawn out of those stories, which is God rested on the seventh day. That's the main moral practical point that comes out through the whole of the Old Testament about the creation accounts. So Keith was looking at that with Eileen, looking at not hurrying, not hurrying, not being driven by a sense of what we ought to be doing, but stopping. And not just stopping our work, but tuning in to the goodness of God. Sabbath is an opportunity command of God, in fact, but an opportunity to tune into God's goodness. So last week, there was a focus on weekly rhythms. Today, we're doing things a little bit different. We're looking at daily rhythms, everyday spirituality, everyday, everyday spirituality. When Jesus was asked to teach his disciples to pray, he gave his disciples A prayer that begins like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread. Give us our food, our sustenance for today. So this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, this prayer... For daily bread means that it was meant to be a daily prayer. You don't pray for daily bread only once a week. Less often, only once a month, you'd be quite hungry. Uh, My parents-in-law have a fridge magnet, which says, and it's been on their fridge in different houses for 25 years, seven days without prayer makes one week. You get it. It does. Seven days without prayer makes one week. It does leave us weak. Prayer, engagement with God, is designed as a daily activity for us to enjoy. So in a minute, we're going to look at an, a passage from the Old Testament, a story from the Old Testament that's about daily food. But before we go there, um, I felt stirred by another passage that is in a book of the Old Testament that's very rarely read or spoken from. And I've been encouraged in that by the prophetic words and pictures that John and Liz and Catherine brought. They're words about God making beautiful furniture. We're clamped and still, but he is working on us. Flesh on the bones. Death coming to an end. That what we have at the moment is not the end, but God is writing life. Um, I felt God wanted to speak specifically this morning to people who are in despair at the overwhelming challenges that you face. Um, Now, in the Bible, there are a number of laments at suffering that is faced. But there's only one book that's full of them. It's called Lamentations. Actually, in Hebrew, it's called how, but there we go. Uh, And I'm going to read a chunk of this. The situation that gave rise to the book of Lamentations was that there was someone in extreme circumstance, but in relationship with God. The Holy Spirit came and breathed these words that are now scripture for us. The situation was the siege and then the capture of Jerusalem, God's chosen city, which had become a place of wholesale slaughter, starving people reduced to cannibalism. All of the elite of society, all of the powerful people, the celebrities, the makers of culture, if you like, had been dragged into exile. All religious life was stopped. The normal opportunities for praise and worship were ended. <clears throat> the writer of Lamentations, who may well have been the prophet Jeremiah, because he writes in a similar style, but we don't know for sure. Whoever it was, wrote this. This is in chapter 3 and from verse 4. He, and by he, he means God. He has made my skin and my flesh flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out, Or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and sated me with gall. He's broken my teeth with gravel. He's trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. So, I say, my splendour is gone and all that I'd hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them. And so my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope, because of the Lord's great love, we aren't consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good. He's good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. There's so much that could be said from these verses. I trust that some of the power of them is already in our In our ears and in our hearts, they say that it 's not, it's not just that God will deliver you one day in the future, but that there is something that comes from God every day. and Kate rightly prayed for freedom. From situations for release into a better future. That's absolutely right. Whilst we're waiting for that better future, there is something that comes from God every day. Every day. Because He is reliably good, He's never anything other than good. And so it's always worth waiting on him. It is good to wait for the Lord because of what he's like. There is a strength in this way of life, this way of life of turning to God day by day by day. We may be crushed. Yet as we turn to God day by day, there is a strength, a robustness in that pattern of life, in that way of life that goes far beyond anything that's humanly possible. I was reminded also of Psalm 27. I remember exactly where I was when the reality of this psalm hit me for the first time. At uh, A point, as many of you will know, in the history of our church. We met in the cinema on George Street. I was sat right near the back. It was a celebration gathering of um, lots of churches there together. And we were singing this song, I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's a quote from Psalm 27. Again, it comes in the context of opposition, isolation. Though my father and my mother forsake me, The Lord will receive me. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Wait for the Lord. I couldn't help but also be reminded of a story which some of you have heard told several times, I know. And some of you heard it from the horse's mouth, and that was better than hearing it from me. But some years ago at one of our church camps, there was a woman there called Chrissy Chapman who was, a, was working in Burundi and was in Burundi during the time of the genocide with the, um, working into the refugee camps that were formed as people fled for safety. And they were giving out porridge to people and there was a man there that she began to speak to who was in his eighties, and he was alone. And they sit down and talk. They sat down and talked, and she heard that not only he was he a refugee, not only had he fled and lost his home and livelihood, but all of his family, all of his extended family, had been killed. And in his eighties, he was left alone. And she sat down with him and heard the tragedy of his story. She went up to go and get him some food to do what she could to bring him some sustenance. And as she walked away, he called out to her and he said, Miss Missionary said, I didn't know that Jesus was all I needed until Jesus was all I had. There is a strength in relying on God, which goes beyond anything humanly possible. Some of you need to hear that this morning. I was very aware as I was preparing to speak about daily life with God that it could so easily become, and this is what we need to do. And that's not what we need to hear this morning. It's rather remembering who God is. Because of who he is, because he won't turn us away, because he is good, that's why we'll see his goodness in this life. That's why, that's why it's worth waiting on him. Now, the passage that, that with a story in that we're going to turn to is in Exodus. So if you have a Bible, do turn to Exodus chapter 16. It's a story that many will be familiar with. The people of God have been delivered from Egypt and have come out into the desert. And in verse 2 it says, In the desert the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Elsewhere they complained about not having onions and garlic and cucumbers. I particularly like the fact that they complain about the lack of cucumbers. Um, There we are. I'm not sure all the children joined in the complaint about a lack of cucumber, but maybe they did. So verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning... There was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they didn't know what it was. And Moses said to them, it's the bread the Lord's given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told, some gathered much, some little. When they, gathered, when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to them, no one's to keep any of it till morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. That's a bit of a recurrent theme in the book. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. And he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, save whatever is left, and keep it till morning. So they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink and get maggots in it. Eat it today. Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh, the Sabbath day, there will not be any. It goes on a little longer, but we'll stop there. Why did the manna, I mean, why why did God do it that way? Uh, It says in that passage there that he sent manner in this way every day, day by day, six days of the week, enough on the sixth day for days six, seven, that he did that in order to test whether they could follow instructions. It says also, it says the same thing again in Deuteronomy 8, where it also says that it was to humble them. It was to humble them. Because the tendency of the people of Israel, again and again and again, was to think that they could sort out their own lives. And they didn't need God. And God called them to be his people. So he wanted relationship with them. He was always after their friendship. And this way of providing for them meant that they maintained a sense of daily dependence on him. So another way of saying the same thing might be that God wanted the people to be his friends, to remain constantly aware of him. It's a bit like in Proverbs 30, the thing that gets quoted in the Lord's Prayer about our daily bread, where the, the, um, the proverb says, Give me today my daily bread. If I have too much, I may forget my God. Perhaps that's a picture of what's happened in the West as a whole. We've got too much. It's harder for us to remember God when we don't need Him every day for our essential life. Um, I need my wallet. I thought I'd illustrate this another way. I had to go to the bank specially for this yesterday because I don't get these out of the cash point. Here's a £50 pound note. Oh, there's a tenner as well. You're not having that. You're not having this one. I, well, you might do. Mm, I don't know. Uh, Thank you for clicking me on uh, fifty-pound note. Okay, I, let's suppose hypothetically I was to make you an offer and say, look, you can either have this fifty-pound note, or um, you can have my bank card <laughs> and buy what you need each day. There's a little choice for you. How long bank card? You see, <laughs> exactly. See. Because it's my bank card, I do reserve the right to cancel it. So, the choice actually is to do with your estimation of me, isn't it? Do you think that my generosity to you today will be sustained? Or would you be better off grabbing the 50 quid whilst you can, and then you'll never need to know me again? Yeah, Yeah, it could... In my case, it could be that there's no money in my bank account. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Especially now you've that 50 quid. Yeah, now I've taken the 50 quid, out, I am skimmed. No. <laughs> do you see the difference? One's to do with an ongoing relationship, but actually, often it's not. We'd rather avoid the risk that God won't turn up trumps for us as life goes on. So actually, there's a phrase we have, isn't there? A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. God says, I've got all the birds. Do you want to be my friend? God knows that we tend to prefer the bird in the hand, the 50 quid's going back in the wallet. Uh, God knows that we tend to prefer the bird in the hand over friendship with him. And so he arranges our lives in such a way that much of what we need is like the manna from heaven. We need to get it from him today. And it won't work for tomorrow. The next picture I have, oh, you better click me on because there we go. It's like guacamole. I was trying to think what's it like. You make guacamole one day. I'm hoping that you have, you, some of you have made guacamole, because otherwise this point doesn't work. If you haven't, talk to someone later who has. You make it one day, it's no good the next day. It's a food that, it doesn't last. In fact, even if you leave it a few hours, it starts to oxidize, brown, you know, go brown as the phenols oxidize. It's an antibacterial thing, forgive me for the science of it. There's a, anyway, it doesn't taste as good once that starts to happen, and um, you've got to eat it there and then. The manna was like guacamole. It had to be eaten there and then. It didn't last. If you kept it to the next day, it wasn't edible. It was worse. It stank and got maggots in. Now, some some foods like that just cannot be stored but have to be eaten there and then. That's sometimes true, isn't it, in our financial provision in the sense that sometimes the things that we store up don't always turn out to be there for us in the long run. Uh, you can't help but think of equitable life and people whose entire pension funds you know, evaporated. Uh, sometimes that happens in our finances. We store things away. We get enough money now that it will last us for ages, <coughs> only it doesn't. I mean, that sometimes happens in the financial, uh, but it definitely goes on in the spiritual. Uh, new here's an example of a way that it works out new revelation that we get from god is if it's a wonderful resource from god we could call it spiritual capital spiritual resource and you can do powerful things with that fresh revelation but if you don't digest it quickly enough that is if you don't take it on board if you don't act on it it decays into a mere idea that has no power. It's just words. It's just an idea devoid of life. And that's a design of God that what we eat we're meant to digest and act on in faith, and then there's life, and then there's power. But if it is just put on the side for later its power and life decays. And it's possible to spend our whole Christian lives trading ideas and think of ourselves as spiritual. But I hope that we have an appetite for the freshness and we can tell the difference uh, between someone who's found something in the scriptures that morning and is now sharing it with you and someone who once saw something on TV that someone else had got from the Bible a couple of years ago and the idea has not yet left them. There's a difference between those things. Even the greatest spiritual blessing will become stale and no longer inspiring if we seek to feed on it continually. That's the truth. Instead of that, God plans for us to have fresh food on a daily basis. It's much better for us. So these, this spiritual food that we have is, is a picture of spiritual blessings that are available to us. So what spiritual blessings do we have? Well, they include, they're not limited to these things, but here are some headlines. Knowing that we are forgiven and accepted. That's massive, isn't it? Yeah. That is massive. If we lived like truly forgiven and loved people, wow, that would shine with a kind of glory. But it's true that we are forgiven and accepted. God provides guidance that equips us for every situation. Those verses particularly talk about how the scriptures provide us with guidance for every situation. We can talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are things that God gives to us generously and they're available to us day by day. The power of the Spirit as well. Wisdom inspiration, healing, miracles. These are the sorts of things that are in store for us. These are, for us as Christians, the manner that comes from heaven for us. Our daily bread consists of these kinds of things. They're available to us every day of our lives. So let's be practical. How? How? How do we seek just as if the Israelites went out and gathered the manna up into their baskets and took it home for that day, how do we gather up some spiritual blessings each day of our lives? What does that look like practically? Well, first thing I want to say is it's not hard, it just takes a bit of time. It's not hard work, it just takes a bit of time. And what we can do to begin with is... Kick the low-hanging fruit. I hope you understand what I mean by that. Just there is some spiritual manner, there's some blessings from God that God wants us to get hold of that are just very easy to get hold of. Um, The Bible, this isn't complicated. The Bible, you, you can read all sorts of books. I don't know how much you enjoy reading. Some people enjoy reading more than others. You can read all sorts of books, but there's only one that is God-breathed. And if you read it, it's like coming across a bush with low-hanging spiritual fruit that can just be collected like that. It's straightforward to read through the pages of Scripture until we find a place where, wow, God said something to me. And there is food for today. The same is, of course, true of prayer. Uh, You can talk to all sorts of people. And some of the people that you talk to will really bless you. They will. But there's only one person who is a completely reliable source of blessing. And you don't even have to make an appointment to see him. You can talk to him whenever. And all of our prayers go up like an incense before God in heaven. And God listens and responds to them. It's really easy. This is like low-hanging fruit. This is like stepping out of your tent in, amongst the people of Israel and finding that the man is not even 100 yards away. It's just landed by your threshold. Oh, look at that. That's easy. That's right. but so, when we talk about reading our Bibles every day and praying every day, uh, it's not like some kind of religious duty that, you know, if you don't do it, then, you know, you, well, you should have done. It's rather that that's that's where the low-hanging fruit is. That's where it's just easy to engage with God compared to any other conversation, any other book that you might think of. So we don't read our Bibles and pray just because we have to. We do it for the same reason that sheep seek out good pasture. Same reason that swallows fly south for the winter. Fossil hunters go to Charmouth Beach. Injured people go to A&E. Wildlife photographers go to safari parks. You go where there's a good chance of getting what it is you're looking for. If you're looking for spiritual food, the most sensible place to be is with a Bible open and a prayer going to heaven. It's just the obvious thing to do. Now, I suppose like a wildlife photographer sat in a safari park, you know, sometimes you you just don't see anything of a the morning. There's the truth of it. But is that photographer going to do any better by going back to some suburban semi-detached house where they live? I'm not going to see any lions there. It's unlikely. It's less likely. There's this sort of logical filter going on in the front row here, second row here. Um... Yeah. Am I making sense? Yeah. Yeah. Let's pick the low-hanging fruit. There we go. Um, second thing, how? Uh, um, remember, uh, this, is, this is a picture of a bloke in one of those really gross eat as many hot dogs as you can competitions. <laughs> I think he's on about number 45. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the point is this. You only need as much as you can digest. You... you know, we can actually stuff more in through our mouths than we can digest. The Romans, with their banquets, used to stuff food, and then they had a special room, which didn't they, called a vomitorium, where they'd go and then they'd vomit to empty their stomach so they could then go and eat some more, because they liked eating. And then they'd get full again, and to make room for some more, they'd go into the vomitorium. Did you not know this? Yeah, okay. You need to watch Horrible Histories more. And... It strikes me that sometimes, it, sometimes we're a bit like that, with our, certainly with our, our Bible reading, that often we can just want to read stuff for knowledge's sake. We just sort of kind of keep reading, or perhaps even more with Christian books other than the Bible. We just want to kind of gather information and keep reading and learn and take stuff on board. But actually, we haven't got the capacity to digest that much. By digesting, what I mean is working out what does that mean for my life What am I going to do differently because I know this? What prayers am I going to pray that I didn't pray before because I've had a revelation about how it all works? We only need as much as we can digest. And Spurgeon, the great Victorian preacher, said this, if you only find one new thought, one fresh idea, pick it up and put it in the basket. Get the food for your soul little by little, a great many of these precious little things will make rare food for a hungry spirit. I think we can be intimidated by the idea of having to read a certain amount of the Bible or pray for a certain length of time. And there's no point in doing any such thing unless it's really meaningful to us. And I believe that one of the keys that we it's really simple thing is to get the right balance of how much time we spend digging to how much time we spend processing what we what we've got from it. Does, does that make sense too? It's a, another practical how to. And then the last thing I'm finishing a little bit early today um, is this. Does anyone know what that is? Medieval clock in Salisbury Cathedral. There it is. Very good. <laughs> Why do you know that, John? My I thought, I just was waiting for that. You beat Erica to it. You were going to say the same, weren't you? It, yeah. <laughs> it is a clock. It's a clock. It's a clock without a face. Uh, it has a bell. It's a clock that was built in the late 14th century. It's the oldest surviving clock in Europe. The uh, first European clocks were made by Christians who wanted little reminders to pray throughout the day, so they made this, they worked all the engineering out, they made this so that a bell would go ding every hour or so. Is it every hour you don 't know that okay i 'm just looking to my authoritative yeah it, so, but it, I think it would it would prompt them to pray because they 'd be involved in some task or other, whatever it might be, and the bell will going. ah, yes. I, I, in my heart, I want to pray. I want to remember that God's with me. But I just get caught up with the day. The bell has rung. It's a moment to pause and pray. Be aware of God's presence here amongst us. And um, things have changed, of course. Um, we no longer have to invent a new technology in order to be reminded of things at certain points in the day. I'd like to suggest, could you get your mobile phone out if you've got one, please? And can you find the alarm feature on it? This may take a moment. Some of you will now wish that your teenage kids were still in the room. It's usually under the clock. There we go. And uh, what I'd like to suggest is you pick a time in the day when... You're not usually at your absolute busiest. And set, at least begin by setting a daily alarm at some point in the day and entitle it something like, be spiritual, or I don't know, whatever it it is that works for you. I mean, I've got an alarm that goes off at midday every day, except on a Sunday, because that would be awkward when I'm preaching. Um, It's called Lord's Prayer, and it comes up on my phone, and there's a prompt to me every day, to pray the Lord's Prayer at midday. Sometimes it's not convenient. um, But you know what? I pray a lot more than I did because of that reminder. I know other people who like the bell thing a lot and have set their phone so a little bell rings either every hour or if they're really keen, like every 10 minutes. Just as a constant and little reminder... I can pray, God's with me. I can pray, God's with me. Isn't it brilliant that we live in an age in which that's so easy to do? Didn't have to invent a new technology. So you're doing that now? Kind of, yeah. (laughs) My goal this morning was just to refresh our appetite for engaging with God every day. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Um, If you're one of those people who, the prophetic words that came out and then what I read from Lamentations and from Psalm 27, if that was something that touched you, um, it may be that you've engaged, you, you've heard what God's saying and I know how to respond to it, and, and that's that. If you need to talk that out with anyone, if you need to pray with anyone, um, then you can. The easiest thing is if you just find me or Keith at the front here, we'll either pray with you ourselves or connect you with someone who's better placed than we are to do so um, to make sure that whatever God's stirring is um, is responded to well. I'd like to finish by, well, we're going to sing a song again in just a moment, sing together. Little reminders through the day. I'm going to finish by drawing attention to this. Um, has anyone got a Breathe booklet to flap about? Sally does. I was quite delighted to discover that Lois, our seven-year-old, has one of these in her Bible. She's nearly finished reading the Bible. It is a kid's Bible. It's got pictures. It's amazing, but she's been doing this. We sit, we sit down to tea time, and Lois says, so are we breathing today? <laughs> so this is a little thing that we've produced to prompt us along these very lines, using our meal times as reminders—morning, lunchtime, evening—different ways of praying at different times of the day. There's a morning prayer in here, and uh, just by, partly to remind us that this is a really helpful reminder too, but also just to express something together of the sort of dependence on God that He was after in giving the manner that He's after in our attitude towards our spiritual blessings. Let's um, invite the band to come up first so that they're there. And um, then as they're, as they're coming up, why don't we stand and pray this prayer together. And the band are going to lead us in a, in a sung response as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that I am your child. I want to walk closely with you today. Jesus, I want to think, feel, and act like you. Holy Spirit, breath of God, breathe on me and fill me with your life-giving presence. I confess my need of you. Open my eyes today to see the signs of your kingdom open my ears today to hear your voice. Open my heart today to receive your love. Guide my thoughts, inspire my speaking, and help me to love as you have loved me. Amen.